the LA Times Studios, I'm Sarah Rodman, and this is The Real, your source for all things entertainment. In today's pod, I am joined by my esteemed colleagues from the film team to discuss the Academy Award ceremony, which is just a few days away. Introduce yourself, everyone. Hi, I'm Amy Kaufman, and I cover celebrity and film for the LA Times. I'm Josh Rottenberg. I'm a film reporter. Hi, and I'm Jeff Fleischman, and I cover culture and film for the LA Times. We're all very cultured and interested in film is what we are saying. And so we are here to talk about the Academy Awards. And if you all remember out there, last year was kind of wacky. Things got a little crazy towards the end. I don't know. It's hard for me to remember. There was some kind of mix-up with an envelope. I don't know. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. Before we get into all that, I want to talk a little bit about how we actually cover the Academy Awards because it is a very big team effort. We have a lot of people doing this. So where were you all last year at the Oscars? What was your job last year? Uh, I was backstage. So I spent uh, three or four days before the before the ceremony going to rehearsals and, um, and getting acquainted with uh, musical numbers and the director and the producers and how the whole thing was going to unfold. Um, and then during and the night of the Oscars, I was backstage. And so, had you done that before? Had that been your job previously? No, no, it was my first time. So it was kind of weird um, to sort of uh, you don't get you're backstage. You don't get a lot of access. Uh, the stars come in and out through a narrow hallway, and then are funneled into a backstage, which is really cramped with camera people, monitors, and things. But you can sort of be a, a fly on the wall and just try not to take up too much space and yeah, get in Jennifer you, Lawrence's way. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you probably don't want to get in Jennifer Lawrence's way. Um, it was my first time, so it was fun. It was like viewing this thing through a, a glass menagerie almost, and how Hollywood works backstage. So that was interesting. And then, and then, of course, nobody knew it was going to happen before it happened. So everybody was kind of relaxed as the show was going on. There wasn't a lot of stress. And then as the moments ticked toward the end, the champagne opened and people got like, okay, it's almost over. Now we're going to party. But then you <laughs> they know, got a little too relaxed. Right. So, Josh, what is your job on Oscar nights typically? Uh, I am generally uh, stationed very glamorously in the newsroom in my cubicle. Eating Tell the people pizza. about how beautiful it is. <laughs> it's a oh, lovely it's, cubicle. It's, uh, Literally it's zero so decoration. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We're eating takeout pizza. Everybody is there who, uh, you know, it's an all hands on deck situation. And I'm watching the show on a tiny TV over my desk. And it my is job. It's truly the Hollywood life that you're leading. It's, I mean, that's what everybody dreams of. Um, yeah, and uh, my job is to write the main news story about the show that's going to go online as soon as the show's over and then in the paper the next day. On the front page. Oh, my gosh, sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm, you know, watching the show. I'm taking feeds from the reporters who are at the Dolby Theater. I'm looking at Twitter to see what people are reacting to. I'm sort of frantically transcribing acceptance speeches. And as the show's going, I'm also trying to sort of write the narrative of the show with the tricky thing being that no one actually knows what the big story is going to be until the last few minutes because that's when all the big awards are. And even though you have to get something up online really quickly, that same thing is also has a really tight deadline to get into the print newspaper for the next yeah. day. So also kind of stressful for you There's as well. uh, some adrenaline. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of proud of myself this particular year because – partly because everyone was expecting that it would be La La Land and it had a strong night. It had 14 nominations, which tied the record. 
So when they announced La La Land, I was pretty much just putting the final touches, had the story ready to go, and then suddenly I didn't. So Dotting your I's and crossing your T's yeah. and then throwing everything away. Now, so I think you're all getting an idea that Joff is cramped against some ropes side stage. Josh is sitting in his incredibly well-appointed cubicle. But Amy is actually at the show. Now, was that last year your first time that you were in the show? No, I've been there a couple times. Um, and basically, there's a few of us inside the show. The show, And so I'm not like sitting behind, you know, Ryan Gosling to my dismay. Who are you sitting behind? I'm sitting behind like a random distribution executive <laughs> from Fox in the, you know, nosebleeds, like 18 aisles, rows, whatever. But you're still all decked out, right? Like even the reporters have to get all dressed up. Right. Go. You have to wear black tie. I kind of, uh, you know, it's questionably black tie because it's like you have to pass as fancy, but um, you don't have the budget of a movie star. Um, so anyway, so we sit up there in the beginning and basically what I do is I'll watch like the host monologue. And then once that's done, I will like rush down to the lobby, which is where the bar is and all the celebrities during the commercial breaks come out and order drinks and like blow off some steam and try to find food. But there's really only uh, crackers. And, like, <laughs> so George Clooney like, is eating crackers. Is yes, like mini us. cookies <laughs> and like maybe candy. If you're, like last year they handed out candy in the audience. So they also brought that candy into the lobby. So for the show, I'm pretty much like stationed down there and I'll walk around and just if I'm brave enough, like go up to someone, you know, and ask them a question about something that happened in the show. And Josh or someone in the newsroom will say like, hey, that Justin Timberlake performance played really big. Like ask him when he started putting that together. So you go up to Justin Timberlake, like, hi, I'm Amy from the LA Times. And in the lobby, they don't always expect that there's going to be reporters there. So that can be a little bit awkward. Um, and that's what I do. And then at the end, I go back up to the seat for the final best picture. And last year, I was sitting watching as that unfolded and I was like, oh, my God, I have to go back down and try to find people who were involved in that fiasco. Of course, Jeff was already backstage sort of tracking them down, but I was waiting. It's an exciting night regardless of what is happening or who is nominated. And then last year, this enormous Kaboom. kerfuffle <laughs> happened where Warren Beatty uh, and Faye Dunaway together again maybe kind of body inclined, announcing the winner, saying that it was La La Land, and then it turned out to be Moonlight. And you can feel the reverberations around Hollywood. I can't imagine what it probably felt like in the room. We actually, our photographer backstage, got an amazing photo of literally jaws dropping in the audience. And um, Shout out Al Seib. That's, yeah. That is the definitive photo of that night, yeah. complete with... The Rock doing his eyebrow thing. Busy Phillips, say what? Wide open. Like it was such a great picture that like you could write little bubbles like above each person. Did like you see what are that they for, thinking? For Busy Phillips' birthday, her husband bought, got in touch with Al Saib and got her that framed photograph. Oh, that's right. so great! And one of my favorite things about that picture too is like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon ended up sort of like looking at each other, and mm -hmm. it's like Ben checking up on Matt and making sure he's okay. But it was such a great moment, and. We actually had a discussion about this the other day, and Mary McNamara, all of our boss, the assistant managing editor for Arts and Entertainment here at The Times, talked a little bit about what that night was like in the newsroom. Okay, so when we cover Oscar night, uh, the night itself, like we all get in 
I'll just go through the whole thing. Yeah. So people start coming in at like what, like one o'clock yeah. noon to start doing the live blog. To start, you know, we start with the arrivals. We usually have some cards that we've made up already that we'll be putting up, and then we start uh, sort of reporting in a, in real time as as everybody starts arriving to the Oscars, and you know whether it's fashion or what people are saying on the carpet. We usually have two people on the red carpet, so that goes on, and then the show starts, and then we're also like sort of you know we write off of immediately off of the opening monologue and so we're doing that and everything's going and then we're sort of like watching the awards so we have like a pretty good idea of like what the narratives are going to be and La La Land is winning a bunch of uh, you know awards and so we're like going okay you know blah blah and at a certain point the excitement wears off and you're just sort of building towards you're watching the clock because we only have after the award show after it ends we have like what about an hour. 90 minutes. Anyway, so, so it's a very tight deadline is what I'm saying. So obviously we're going and everything's La La Land. It's going to be a La La Land victory. Uh, Josh Rottenberg is writing the A1 story. Everything is fine. I was actually sitting at that point. We're all relaxed. You know, I'm, I was sitting in my office with Devon was there, the uh, then editor-in-chief of the newspaper. And he's talking to me because we're talking about like something completely else because we're like, okay, we're just waiting for this and then we'll all meet and we'll figure out what are the big stories and where they're all going to go. And, and then all of a sudden I hear this sound outside and everybody's like saying, going, holy shit. Everybody is like, what the, you know, and, I'll, and I'm watching what's going on and, and Devon is still talking and I'm like, shut up, <laughs> which is not something you usually say to the editor in chief. And like, I get up and I'm like, oh my God. And everything, everybody is just flipping out. And Josh Rottenberg, who is a wonderful writer and a wonderful reporter and is unflappable. And we like sort of looked at him and we're like, okay, you're going to have to rewrite your story. And Josh blinked twice, which for him is like, if, you know, screaming out loud. And he, so he had to rewrite his story from beginning, well, not from beginning to end, but like the first six, you know, six to 10 inches, you know, because obviously now there's news, we've got stuff coming in. Jeff Fleischman was at the theater. He was the one who actually heard them say, oh my God, they have the wrong envelope. So he's sending that. So we're posting that immediately. And then everybody is picking it up and not crediting us, which still pisses me off to this day. And the um, picture. And just like everything thing is just total and we're trying and we couldn't find Kenny remember because it's like Kenny usually writes about the best picture and he wasn't answering his phone and we're like did he like literally pass out in shock and it's like so then we're like we cannot be down a film critic at this point um, so it was just it was totally insane and it was very funny because Michael Whitley taught me a very important thing because um, we, were, we were pushing up against deadline and we didn't have the headline for the, I forget whether it was for the A1 story or the E1 story. We didn't have the headline. And Michael said, just go with a crap headline because it's easier to replate the headline than to miss deadline. And like that was a bit of information for me. And so that's what we ended up doing was we, and we made deadline with like one minute to spare, which was unbelievable. Because I was editing the A1 story with the copy editor, Ruth Ann, who is a force of nature standing in my doorway, just like literally counting down the minutes or seconds of when it was due. So it was totally uh, and utterly insane. Not just, and, and like you didn't even have time you know, we covered the Oscars and we covered these films and like nobody even had time to like sort of um, 
think about what had actually happened, you know, that Moonlight had won, which was kind of astonishing and like ended up, I mean, as big as the news story was, like the cultural reverberations of Moonlight winning was actually a bigger story because it sort of broke open like the whole idea of what is the best picture and, you know, with the Oscars so white and all of that stuff. So it was just, it was a totally crazy night. So it was crazy, in other words. I remember my reaction had words in it that we can't say in the podcast, sadly. Everybody sort of stood up and freaked out. Josh, you must have freaked out immediately. What was your immediate reaction? Uh, Yeah, I just knew that the story that I thought I was writing was suddenly not going to be the story. Um, So I needed to – I mean, everything is kind of a blur. There were people running around, gasps. You know, there's so many moving parts, so many pieces that need to go into the paper uh, anyway. And so to just have this wrench thrown into the works, um, you know, everyone, that's where it was so great having, you know, Jeff and Amy and Jen Yamato all there on site uh, so that, you know, we could actually get some actual intelligence about what had happened because, you know, from watching it on TV, it was still just bewildering. Like, what did we just see? And so, Jeff, you are still backstage at this point. Where are you stationed when this moment happens? Well, when when it happened, um, uh, Warren Beatty and uh, Faye Dunaway stood by the Price Waterhouse guy. They got their envelope and then they sort of – This is the accountant who was responsible for the envelope. Exactly. They got that and, as I said, uh, everything was was calm. The The evening seemed to be moving on per script and they drifted to the left and out the back curtain to the stage and uh, I'm watching it on the monitor and uh, and the champagne's being opened with the producers because they really thought the show had gone good and everyone you feel this kind of air of relax people are chilling and then all of a sudden a stage manager turns around or a stage hand stage manager turns around and says oh my mm. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the wrong envelope and the whole mood backstage just obviously changed and nobody knew what was going on. It happened so fast. It was probably like how Josh felt it too. All of a sudden, boom, it happens. Nobody knows how to react. The producers didn't know how to react. Um, Warren Beatty wouldn't came off stage and wouldn't give up the envelope because I think he wanted it as proof that he didn't get it wrong. And he hold right. on to the envelope. <laughs> Gary Natoli, the stage manager, came around and he's yelling, Warren won't give up the envelope. Warren won't give up the envelope. Um, at that point, I realized that... Um, we had to get to Warren Beatty and Jimmy Kimmel as fast as we could, um, but they were kind of holed up in their rooms down thing. But at that point, all bets are off, so I just walked So this down. is why the la- while the La La Land people are giving their speech, all of this is transpiring to the side of the stage. All, all of this is going on, and then, the, and, then, and then the La La Land, the Moonlight people are on stage, and everybody comes off stage the same way, and they're bemused, befuddled, everything. Nobody knows what's going on, and they're herded out like glamorous cattle to the, <laughs> to the, to the other rooms. And Warren, come, Warren Beatty comes out holding the envelope, but he won't let it go. And there's more confusion, and um, and that's when Gary Natoli comes in, and he's looking for Warren, and then he finds Warren, and Warren won't give up the envelope, and so it devolves into something else, and there's just kind of everybody looking at one another. So I went down and tried to track down Warren and um, and Jimmy Kimmel, 
and and much to my not surprise but glee i see amy walking up from the other direction so i knew we had them cornered no matter what was going to happen we, did, we um, had to do sort of a negotiation with uh, kimmel's publicist you remember that right yeah we'll tell that one now that was funny i mean i don't i actually don't totally remember you can help me but i i do remember like uh kimmel's publicist was there and i know him and and i was like we started asking jimmy questions and he was like no guys like how are you even back here like no you can't do this and um then what happened? Well, we basically said no. No, <laughs> we are going to do this. Right. Um, and and Warren was Warren Beatty was the same way. I mean, I was walking with him from backstage down toward the governor's ball, and I'm talking to him. I identified myself as a you know who I was, and I'm talking to him, and he's telling me what what he thought had happened and everything. So he's about freely that. speaking to well, you. Well, he he's talking to me, and then he realizes, I guess, at some point that um, he shouldn't be talking. And he says, well, I don't want to read about this in the L.A. Times. And I said, Warren, I think we're too late <laughs> too for that late. right now. Um, and then he stormed off to the governor's ball. He was nice. He was gracious about it. I, sure. I, mean, I kind of felt bad for um, at that moment for Warren Beatty because if you go back and you look at the, at the, the show, you see this look of confusion on his face. And he doesn't quite know what's going on and he's got the wrong envelope. And, he knows. So he, and I, think he, I think he really felt bad. You know who wants to be the person at that moment doing the wrong thing, and so I think I think he really felt bad. I think holding onto the envelope was one way he could prove that he didn't get it wrong. Right. And, and so, um, but Amy, what remember what Jimmy Kimmel told us about um, what did he say he was going? He, he he and Matt Damon were planning to go out after that, and this had kind of ruined that. I, oh, I, I just remember in those something. moments, it feels so like there's just so much pressure to like be the first one to get you know, Kimmel's reaction or Beatty's reaction and then send it back to the newsroom. Basically, we use Slack, which is like a G chat for work people, I guess. Um, and we would, you know, send a Slack message like, we just got Kimmel. We're sending the quote in in like four seconds. And like Jeff was dictating it to me and I was typing it in. And then we said- Yeah, I'm it. slow. Thank God for Amy was there because I'm very slow and the shortest from all things. And Amy's like, just give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we send it in and then I'm like, please tell me when you get this so we can tweet it immediately because like- you know that Kimmel's going to the governor's ball and then to like Vanity Fair and he's going to be doing interviews there. So your quote unquote scoop is only good for about 20 minutes. Right. right. But we made it happen. And it was too much. I have to say, like in every every aspect of this backstage, side stage at the place here, all I know is that I was running the show. <laughs> and I was really unhappy. <laughs> I mean, I was actually super happy for Moonlight, mm -hmm. but I was really unhappy as an editor in that moment. <laughs> I have a question about your guys. So I've seen so many, you know, in recapping what happened last year, like so many sort of comical takes or like there's just this feeling of like, what a like mishap. Like, and this really affected people's lives, I think. Like, yes, it was treated in some places like it was wacky, but I mean, and it was sort of wacky on the face of it, but... I mean, it did absolutely have implications beyond the moment that it happened. I mean, yeah. I just remember feeling really bad for the Moonlight people and so glad I think Kimmel said that Denzel Washington was the one who gave him like a nod saying, get them on stage. Mm -hmm. Stop, you know, futzing around and get the Moonlight people on stage, which, you know, we have so much to thank Denzel Washington for. All right. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we are going to listen to Josh's interview with the director of last year's Madness, Glenn Weiss. We'll be right back. 
In director Jordan Peele's Get Out, Chris, played by Daniel Kaluuya, is invited for a weekend away with his girlfriend Rose, played by Allison Williams, to meet her parents upstate. At first, Chris brushes off the family's strange behavior as nervous attempts to deal with their daughter's interracial relationship. But as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries lead him to a truth that he could never have imagined. Good to see another brother around here. <sighs> yes, of course it is. <laughs> Something wrong? There you are. <laughs> oh, hello. I'm Philomena, and, uh, and you are? Chris, Rose's boyfriend. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. That's nice. Get Get Out on iTunes Movies. Josh, you had an opportunity to talk with the director of last year's show, Glenn Weiss, who also be directing this year's show. What was that conversation like? Yeah, Glenn, this will be his third year. He uh, actually won uh, a Director's Guild Award uh, earlier this month for, uh, for <laughs> directing that show. I every time. <laughs> he, he's, uh, he's got a long history of directing live TV. He's done other awards shows, the Tony Awards, the Emmys. So it was very interesting to get his perspective on how you kind of steer the ship through something that unforeseen. All right, let's take a listen to that interview now. Well, last year's show obviously was memorable in many ways. Um, if you can just take me through it sort of a little deeper. Gary Natoli, the key stage manager, says in my ear, you know, the accountants think we announced the wrong winner. And, and you know, it's just something that you don't want to hear on a headset ever. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but particularly at the end of this worldwide broadcast that is so, uh, as I said, under a, a microscope, this is just not what you want to be hearing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what sticks out to me is at that moment forward, you know, throwing out any scripts, you know, throwing out any plans, and let's make sure whatever happens here, we're very honestly showing. Because at the end of the day, I didn't want the story to be, you know, something bad happened and they covered it up. Right. You know, it was really important to me that, you know, this happened. I can't undo what happened. But what I can do is make sure that whatever's going on out there, I'm being very transparent about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a momentary decision on, the, on my part. It's not... You're not yelling cut and calling for a meeting and sitting down with the producers in the academy and the network and saying, guys, what do you want to do? I mean, you're in the moment and you just have to use your gut and go forward and hope right. that you're doing the right thing. Right. And by, the, and by the way, the other thing running through my head was, oh, my God, if this happened like a minute later, you know, and we're off the air, right. how do you do that? How do you yeah. put the genie back in the bottle? How do you, how do you say, we're going to hold a press conference? We're yeah. going to do a press release? How do you right. do that? Right. So as as unsettling as this was, uh, I'm, I'm happy that it came out when it did and not a minute later. You know, looking forward, obviously, you want to keep the plans for this year's show under wraps, and uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but is there anything you can say at this point about either just sort of what the process has been like this year or what we can expect from the show? Look, I think, and, and thanks for asking that, because I don't want to just harp on last year. Um, 
Look, I, I think it's going to be a, a really great night to celebrate film. It's the 90th, yeah. and we've got some moments throughout the show where we're going to reflect that. Uh, uh, Jimmy has come back stronger than ever. I think a lot of the material that uh, we've been uh, dealing with so far is really fun and clever, and I, I think he really understands the role and hosting something like this and does real real well. So I'm looking forward to a lot of that. And, you know, at the end of the day, we really hope to entertain and make people remember why they love movies. <laughs> um, and I really appreciate you doing this um, and, uh, and good luck with it. Thank you. I, I hope next year you'll want to interview me just to say, hey, that was a nice show. Yeah. Instead of, hey, let's talk about what happened. <laughs> and the thing about last year is it was exciting, but I'm sure that a lot of people would like for that not to be repeated. So... Uh, so what's going to be boring. <laughs> it's entirely possible it will be boring. But if these are the plans to celebrate the 90th anniversary, to put the focus back on the show, what do you think that will actually mean for the show this year? What do you think will be sort of things that are potentially highlighted on the telecast itself? Uh, I think it's just, yeah, I mean, this is the Academy's big night and it's their 90th anniversary. So I think you're going to see a lot of nostalgia, a lot of history flashing back to Oscar shows past. I think, Ugh. you know, I know. Sorry. She just lost her backstage <laughs> I mean, Which you could you could actually say about every year's Oscars. Well, exactly. Um, the big clip montages and, yeah. hey, it's the streaker again. Yeah. Hey, it's Sashi and Littlefeather again. Right. Yeah, I think the, the, the Oscars are in this strange territory between the real and the imagined. They like to be topical, but at the same time, they say they want to celebrate film. But uh, we live in a real hashtag world. And, um, and it'll be interesting how they um, navigate. Um, we just had school shooting in Parkland, Florida, mm-hmm. uh, with a big question. What about the criticism about on-screen violence? What about, I think the Oscars, when they deal with politics, they're always a beat behind the times. And uh, it would be, but they still have to deal with the times. So it's always an interesting tug and pull to me. Yeah, that article last week in the New York Times that had the producers talking about um, how they did not want Time's Up to be a big focus of this telecast, um, frankly, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I just thought, you know, let people talk about what's on their minds. Like, don't try to force the uh, focus so much. That feels unnatural to me. Like, it's all about the movies. It's like, this is the movie industry and what happens in the movie industry. And while you're filming those movies is a big part of the story. I get that, like, we don't want it to be too heavy and this is a fun night. But uh, I think there should be a place for all the discussion that's been really dominating dominating things for the last few months in Hollywood. Especially and as you films look at themselves. Like, yeah, and but also if you as you look at the the Academy Awards audience, it's steadily gotten smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really connect so much with the young people. I don't think it's hip or clever enough for that. It doesn't include enough blockbuster movies to get the popcorn set. So there I think there are real questions of relevancy for the as it moves forward. And it's interesting to your point, Amy, that I mean, all award shows are like this to a degree of not wanting, you know, wanting to figure out a balance between seeming like they are have their finger on the pulse of what is happening topically, as you say, but not wanting to go too far. But when you look at the movies themselves, a lot of them are actually dealing with the issues, even though they're sat in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, dealing with issues that we are grappling with right now. So it seems like there is a a certain synergy there between what the films themselves that we're celebrating and what is happening in the world. So it might be smart for them to actually yeah. address those parallels. It's hard for me to imagine a scenario where, you know, let's say Get Out wins and there's not a very political 
themed speech, uh, acceptance speech. I don't think it's just going to be like, yay, a horror movie. Like, no. Right. And yeah. I thank my agent and all of the laundry list of people. I mean, it's it's an interesting year given what happened last year, given what's going on in the world. Could be boring, could be thrilling. And we're just going to have to wait and see. But it's coming up soon. So make sure to tune into the Oscars so you can then tune into the reel afterwards to hear what we all have to say about it. And make sure to stay up to date with the Oscars news at latimes.com. Before we take off, Jeff Fleischman, what's your Twitter handle? At Jeffrey LAT. Josh Rottenberg. At Josh Rottenberg. Well, see, that's an easy one to remember. Amy. Mine a little bit more complicated, but not really. Amy K in LA, not Amy Kins. But Amy Kins to us. All right, so make sure you follow along with them because they will be covering the Oscars up until the moment it happens. But thank you so much for listening to The Real. Please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite listening and download us. And hey, while you're there, maybe rate and review us too. We love feedback. Seriously, we love feedback. Until next time, I'm Sarah Rodman. To get these and many other award-nominated films, go to iTunes.com slash Oscars.